Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 11. I want to thank you for your generous gifts last week to those benevolent needs. The families that received were uh, humbled and tearful and grateful. One of them lives in Atlanta, um, and for her it was... um, She was kind of blown away that a place where she doesn't live would give to her, uh, raising her family by herself, and wanted me to communicate to you her deep gratitude uh, for loving her, and um, just thank you for your generosity uh, last week. Stand with me this morning for the reading of three verses, and then I'm going to skip around uh, to several stories in the Bible this morning, uh, but I believe the Lord's given me a word uh, for today. Hebrews 11.11. 1135, uh, 31 and 1135. Are you there? Say amen. amen. If you're on the screen, say amen. Okay. Through faith, also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. And she was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged God faithful who had promised. Verse 31 By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she received the spies with peace. Hebrews 11.35, and women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Let me speak to you for just a moment before you're seated. First of all, it's a privilege of mine to be able to minister on Mother's Day. I think the last seven or eight years I've not done so. We vacation usually in the first uh, of May, but it's a joy for me to be here to celebrate Mother's Day with my mother and mother-in-law and my wife. And I don't take opportunities like this for granted. I wanted to point out those three verses and let you see that in the roll call of faith, where it mentions all of the accomplishments of men, the three women mentioned specifically It wasn't what they did, it's what they received. Sarah received strength. Rahab received the will of God, turning on her nation and received the spies. And women received their dead back to life. Physically, you are receivers. And I believe this morning, by faith, that you will have the capacity and the opportunity to receive from God that which no one else could give. Receivers. We cannot give what we do not have, and what we need must come from God. Now, of course, men, you're able to glean on the outer part of the table today, but I'm speaking this morning about sorrows of women. Six sorrows, one Savior. Six sorrows, one Savior. The answer for you today is receiving. Father, I just humble myself before you, and I stand before you an unworthy vessel. I ask you to forgive me of my shortcomings, my failures, and my sins, both of omission and commission. I pray for the anointing of your spirit on my, on my mind and my speech today that these words would have such a clarity that they would ring in the soul of every person in this room today 
And that mothers especially today, Lord, and women today who are daughters would see the word and they received. They received. They're so busy doing that we've not learned the art of receiving. God, I pray today that that miracle would happen and great grace would bring great change and produce great songs. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. When I believe the Spirit of the Lord gave me this idea, I just began scrolling through uh, different women in the Bible looking for this concept because those of you that are ministers or preachers or pastors, teachers, you know how you get an idea and you go, Lord, is that you? And then how it just comes together. It just comes together. And I saw this pattern. And this is not an exclusive list, nor is it a formula. But I want you to get the idea that whatever your need is, receiving from the Lord is the answer. Not from men, not from your husband or your children. Receiving from the Lord is the answer to every broken thing, every broken place. The first one for just a moment I want to talk about is Eve. First woman. You can find her story in Genesis 3. You don't have to turn there. But she's a type of the woman with missing pieces. I never thought about this today uh, before. Um, I know you feel this way too. Uh, the Lord knows so much more than we know. And you know how you'll read the Bible and you'll see something and you go, where has that been? You know, and it's been there the whole time. I never thought about this for Eve. Well, I knew she had a lot to be grateful for. Where she lived, the Garden of Eden, the beauty of it, the sinlessness of it, the provision of God, the love of her husband. And isn't it funny how we can seemingly be unfazed by what we have and be tripped up by what is missing. Eve was the perfect type of the woman whose life was missing pieces. What could she possibly, I, you know, I could hear myself yesterday, what, did she, what was she missing? She was missing relationships. She had no father to tell her how beautiful she was. She had no daddy to twirl before. She had no daddy to tell her, you're the most beautiful girl in the world, because they would have been the only girls in the world, you know, but it wouldn't have mattered. But the type is still there. No mom to teach her to cook. No mom to bandage the knee and hold. No mom to, to talk to before, to listen uh, to tell stories to her. No, none of that shaping, none of that forming. God created her complete, yes, but those pieces were missing. And they're missing in some of you today. She had no siblings, no brothers, no sisters. She had no mentor, no support system, no accountability person, no counsel. Yes, she had the Lord, and I'm not diminishing that role, but listen to me. It's like the little kid that... Uh, you know, mama teaches them that God's with you always. And there's this thunderstorm outside and lightning is bursting through the house and the walls are shaking and the kid keeps running into your bedroom. Have y'all ever experienced any of that? And you put them back in your room and you say, listen, Isabel, Olivia, God is with you. Yeah, but I need a God with some skin on about right now. I need, I need one I could touch, hold. And yes, she was complete. But missing pieces can cause irrational decisions. 
Missing pieces can uh, create vacuums that lead us to dis-ease, distortion. If you are missing something, you need to be careful what you put in its place. And I look at the story of Eve, I wonder if you can see, I can, the, the connection between the missing pieces and her encounter with the serpent in the garden. If you're missing something, be careful where you frequent. If you're missing something, be careful of who you listen to. If you're missing something, be careful of what you listen to. Be careful where you go. Be careful not to put too much weight on what you, uh, uh, on that, that void. Be careful not to build on top of that, that empty place, because it may not be able to, to sustain what you put on top of it. Two more primary pieces were yanked away. So here she is, okay, I, I don't want to labor the point, but no father, no mother, no siblings, no mentor, no counsel, no support, just Adam, just the husband. I'm not going to touch that. We'll just venture right on. <laughs> okay, this is going to be kind of a heavy message. Can I tell you my quick funny story? It's not in my notes, by the way. And you know, in some of these Qumran scrolls and Dead Sea scrolls, they found another uh, Genesis account in one of the caves. And it's the story of how Adam bargained. We didn't know that he bargained. Uh, you know, our scripture tells us that God saw he was alone and it wasn't good, but Adam bargained for a, a spouse. God said, uh, Adam, what would you think if I created you this beautiful physical helpmate for you? She would cook every meal for you with joy. People are just staring a hole through me right now. Uh, she'll do all your laundry she will work in the garden, she'll raise the kids, she'll do the grass, she'll fold the clothes, and she'll never forget, let you forget that you're a man. He said, that sounds good, what'll that cost me? And God said, an arm and a leg. He said, what can I get for a rib? And see, that, that's, that's why we are. That ain't got nothing to do with the sermon, I just wanted to bless you, you know, so. So th if you can go back to seriousness and you're thinking of Eve with these missing pieces, are you aware that she lost both of her children as well? Her oldest son, Cain, murdered her youngest son, Abel. He was gone. And then, and then God marked Cain and banished him to the east part of Eden. So there was not the daily interaction. So here's a woman with missing pieces. That's a sorrow. That's a, you can't bring anybody in to that, to feel that with you. I remember one time on Father's Day, I took a survey and uh, I asked different people to just give me one line that described uh, their, their father. And um, I, hope, I don't think she would mind me sharing. My, my wife had an absent father and she said, all my life, all I ever wanted was to be a daddy's girl, and I wasn't. What does a woman do when missing pieces 
are the defining thing in their life. Hold that thought. Let's go visit another girl in the Bible, Hannah. Hannah had an empty home, a barren womb. Not every woman feels this way, but many do. My wife, again, uh, told me, she said when she was a little girl, she said, I never played uh, the bride. I never dressed up like wedding day. She said, I, I, I played and dreamt of being a mama. And when a woman has an empty home or an empty womb and she longs for children, nothing else will do. Hannah's husband saw her in her grief and her anxiety and he said, uh, am I not better to you than seven sons? Don't, and he did, he honored her and loved her, but she could not make a man understand her sorrow because he did not have an empty womb. When someone, when a woman wants children and her womb is empty, she can hardly think of anything else. She can hardly see anything else. She can hardly pray for anything else. And she will not be satisfied, really, with anything else. The Bible says that Hannah went into the temple and she prayed so earnestly that the volume was removed and all you could see was her lips quivering and the priest thought she was drunk. And he said, in so many words, you're just gonna come into God's temple and his presence drunk? She said, you've misjudged me, I'm not drunk. I'm praying from the grief of my own soul. Women like this are often misunderstood. They are misjudged and maligned. You ought to be thankful for what you have. She was thankful. Now listen, listen to this. This is not an issue of not being grateful for what you have. If God designed you to be something until you are that something, you are empty. Until you become until the man who God had planned to be a father becomes a father, he's just a man. And women instinctively know not all women have this desire. See, the Bible says that God grants the desire of your heart. That doesn't just mean he answers you the prayers. He gives you, he grants you the desires of your heart. And the desire of a godly woman's heart is the evidence of God's will. When you desire God's will more than anything else, then you are attached to God's promises and his power. So here's this woman, loved by her husband, preferred, if you look it up, you can see the story when he would give, and in this day and time, men would have more than one wife, and God allowed it for the purpose of building up uh, the Israelite family. But he would always give twice to Hannah what he did to anyone else. It wasn't that she wasn't grateful. She wasn't complete. And just a side note, man, woman, it doesn't matter. Don't let anyone talk you out of what God designed for you with false arguments that sound almost right. Like, well, you ought to just be grateful for what you have. How about this? How about I am grateful? How about I am thankful? And I worship the Lord for it, but there is something missing inside of me and I will stand in the temple till God fulfills his plan in my life. Number three, there was a woman with the issue of blood. 
She's the one, the type of the lady that suffers physically. The Bible speaks of an issue of blood, which means really just a menstrual flow that never stopped. Never stopped. I believe, it, I may be mistaken, it was 12 years. I don't remember the exact, just, the Bible said that life is in the blood. So what you have is a type of the person whose life is flowing out of them. They're bleeding out. And how would this apply to us today? We can bleed out emotionally. We can bleed out relationally. We can bleed out spiritually. She bled out financially. She had spent all the money on doctors and nothing helped. Listen, this physical suffering was personal. It was painful. And it was public. There are friends of mine today that suffer with this in their soul. If I'm loved, why hasn't God healed me? If I'm loved, why this, this woman with an issue of blood, see in her day, she would have to walk by people and say, unclean, unclean, unclean. So her sickness, everyone saw that she had a sickness that God had not healed. And it's hard when you know you are loved by him and when you know you are cared, by him, cared for by him and you know he's a healer. And yet in your life, you suffer physically, and you don't have the answer for it. This suffering was relentless. It was enduring, and it was draining. There are people in this room at, at different levels that hurt every day in their body. And they know that the Lord is the Lord that heals them. They can finish the verse. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgave all my iniquities. He heals all of my diseases. But at this current time, instead of healing, God has given them sufficient grace. But the pain remains. And may I give you just a, uh, a reason? It's not an excuse. Be patient with people that hurt. What you might think was a bad attitude, you, you've not ever lived hurting all day and hurting all night. Give grace to people that are in physical pain. Before you judge the tone of their words, live in their skin. Now, that's not a license for someone to be cruel or unkind, but it goes a long way just to let them know, I know you're hurting. And I'm sorry. You'll almost always find that that edge goes down and the tone goes down. They just, like the woman who's missing something, missing pieces, like the woman who's missing a child, they're missing relief and they can't find it. But this woman found her way to Christ and we'll talk about that in just a moment. Number four. The woman who washed Jesus' feet with her hair. This is the woman with many sins and many regrets. When the Pharisees saw this woman come up behind Jesus and knelt at his feet and washed his feet with her hair. You, you have to see that this is so, on so many levels. There's so many riches of God's word taught in this. A woman's hair is her glory. And she took her glory and washed the dirtiest part of his body. They didn't even offer Jesus water from a well. She offered him heart water. 
it come up through her and she wept and the tears with the water and she took the hair and she washed Jesus' feet and she kissed his feet. This is the woman, the Bible tells us, that the Pharisees said, Does, if he were a prophet, he'd know what kind of woman this is. This is the woman with many sins, many regrets. It's horrible that it's so, but it is. Double standard. Now, I'm not on the left side where, uh, you know, with this feminist agenda where the woman doesn't get to be a woman and all. But in this area, oh, still today. When the woman was taken in adultery, they drug the woman in in front of Jesus and said, Moses said she should die. What do you say? Where's the guy? Well, the guys were doing the dragon. So they let him pass. If a man sleeps around, he's man. If a woman does it, she's a whore or a slut. And there are women, maybe in this room, that made horrible choices, shameful choices, and regret is your Lord. The only time regret is useful is when it pushes you to repentance. And this woman, her, her history was public. Her sins were well known. Her sins had become too many for too long with deep roots. She lived a life of shame and public reputation. Her sin had separated her from God and others. Her sin had become a thief. It stole joy. It stole life. It stole opportunities. Her sin had become her lid. And her sin had become consuming regrets. I meet in my office sometimes with precious women who can't stop thinking about the abortion. Precious women that had to tell a husband after they were married that I did something before we were married and I didn't tell you or I did something after I was married. And they feel what people think that it's always worse when the woman does it. And this woman, for all of them to be talking, they either knew by other people talking or they knew by their own experience with her what her sins were. A woman with regrets. Then there's Jairus' wife, whose child was dying. She sent her husband, said, go find Jesus and bring him back. I can tell you she did that because, and there was no argument, there was no discussion. Mamas, I'm just asking you, no hospitals, no anything, and your baby was dying, and Jesus was up the road. There's no cars. Jesus was in a nearby city. Are you going to get Jesus, or is your husband going to get Jesus? Husband's going, I'm not leaving. There are women here today with something dying at home. A child, a marriage, a relationship, or a child that's moved away from home, that's not doing well, that's living 
in places they shouldn't live, doing things that they shouldn't do. And I want to tell you, the burden of a mother does not go away with years or a change of address. Her baby was dying. Her baby was dying at home. Her baby was dying in her arms. She was doing the things that used to work, but now it didn't help. What do you do when the things that used to work with your child doesn't help anymore? The big thing was her child was in the balance and she was powerless to do anything about it. And finally, Naomi. And I'm giving you just a brief, uh, really one part of these women's lives, but hopefully in just a moment we'll tie it together and the Lord will have a word for someone today. Wouldn't it be wonderful to leave with a word from the Lord? Just for our life. Just one word. We don't need another sermon. We need a word from the Lord for our life. So here's Naomi who followed her husband uh, from Israel to Moab because there was a famine. She left the house of bread to go to Moab where there was bread. So there was a contradiction in her faith. Once again, if I believe, then why isn't there bread where there's supposed to be bread? Why do we have to go to Moab, which is God's wash pot, uh, to live? So she goes with her husband. And her husband dies. And she's there with her sons. Her sons both die. And she comes back to uh, Bethlehem. And they see her from afar off. And they say, is it Naomi? Is it Naomi? And she goes, do not call me Naomi, which means pleasant. She said, call me Mara, bitter. Uh, because I went out full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. And God has dealt bitterly with me. Naomi is the type of the woman who's lost it all. She always dreamed of being the wife and the mama and their home would be happy and the husband stole that from her or death stole that from her. Children move away, don't have the thing. It seems like everything that when she closed her eyes as a young girl in her 20s, none of those things happened or they happened and they're now lost. The Bible says that she blamed the Lord because if the Lord didn't cause it, he at least could have prevented it. In our three texts that I read you at the beginning, I told you what these women did. The roll call of faith, speaking of great exploits and the power that was found in what they did, they received. Sarah received strength, Rahab received grace, and others received God's power for their children. Ben, if you would come this morning. So what did God do? What did God do and what do I believe and what do we believe that God will do for us today? To the one with missing pieces, he gives you his word. He told Eve, he said, there's going to, seeds going to come from you. And it's going to, there'll be enmity between your seed and the seed of the serpent. And your seed will bruise his head or crush his head and his, he will bite at your heel. He was letting her know of a savior that was going to come. He was letting her know that he had a word for her. Sometimes 
God doesn't give you the missing pieces. He gives you a word that sustains you. Sometimes you don't get the dad. Sometimes you don't get the father or the mother. Sometimes you don't have the relationship with the siblings. And I have learned that one word from heaven can give me the strength and the capacity to dance with broken bones. I'm not complete, but I'm okay. I may, not, I may have things missing, but God has given me a word. What's the word? I will finish what I started in you. Sister or no sister. Brother or no brother. Father or no father. Mother or no mother. Because I am your Lord and have not forgotten you. All I need, all you need is a word from the Lord. One of my favorite stories in the New Testament is when uh, the disciples are in the boat. Seems like when they were in the boat, I'd have just stayed out of the boat. Every time they got in the boat, all hell broke loose. Sometimes Jesus is on the boat, other times he's on the shore. And Jesus is walking towards them on the water. And they're rowing and bailing and, you know, blisters on their hand. They're not, you know, that's serious bailing going on. You're not going to die on this lake. And Jesus said, it is I. So they would say, okay, let's say you could do the pause button. What about the storm? We're not talking about the storm. It is I. What about the water? What about the boat? What about, I'm not answering those questions. I'm telling you who. You're asking why, and I'm telling you who. I'm here. And that's the word for you this morning. They're not, but he is. I don't know if you can get that in your heart. They may be gone, but he is. They may have never showed, but he is. They might have been unfaithful. But he is faithful. He is near. He is with you. He is for you. And he that begun the good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He is with you. Not by yourself. To the one with the barren womb, he gave her a prophet. Well, what do you mean? Well, you'd say, well, God gave her a, a boy. No, no. You got to pan out and watch this. He gave her a prophet. He gave her a Samuel. All she asked for was a Sammy. And she, and she got a Samuel. Samuel was the last of the, the prophets. And the Bible said that he was so anointed, so near the Lord, that not one of his words fell to the ground without God honoring it. But God gave her a son, not for her pleasure, but for his purposes. And she gave him back to the Lord. Six, seven-year-old boy. And he grew up in the temple. What's that a type of? That's a type of whether you give it to me or not. Let your will be done in my life. And so for those of us that are longing for the child, the biological child, the adopted child, however... It'll be, Lord, if you grant it, I'm just going to give him back to you. And to the person that wants nothing but God's purposes in their life, I have found that that's the safest place you can be. To the one with physical suffering, he gave healing. See, you can't have the immediate healing without the 12 years. 
God didn't touch her. Oh, I don't know who this is for this morning. God didn't touch her. She touched God. She said to herself, if I can just touch him, I know I'll be whole. Now, Jesus, who was all God and all man, he said, someone just touched me. And the disciples said, there's hundreds of people around us bumping into us. What do you mean somebody touched me? Mm -mm. Somebody touched me with faith. I felt virtue go out of me. Power went out of me. She said, it was me. It was me. And Jesus said, woman, your faith has made you whole. Don't get caught up on the 12 years. Some healing comes in the middle. Some comes in the beginning and some comes in the end. And there are women with withered faces and withered breasts who go into the next life unwhole, who are immediately made whole forever. Forever. Healing will come. Power will, virtue will come. And I believe that the Lord has invited you to touch him today. To the one with many sins, he gives grace. Every time she wiped between those toes with her hair, she's thinking of this man and this man and this man. And Jesus, like he told the woman taken in adultery, he told those around, he said, those of you without sin, you throw the first rock. How about you, old man? You want to do it? And beginning with the oldest and the youngest, they all left. And Jesus looked at this woman who had given herself away for nothing. He said, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. He held her and said, look at me. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. And like a little bird out of a cage, he let that woman go. And she started over. They remember. And she remembers but she was not identified by what she did with men, but by what Jesus the man did to her. You are forgiven. And God tells you that, that just, that's like the big roller that just rolls over everything. It covers the whole blanket. Almost done. To the one with the child in the balance, he wants you to know that there's power for that one. She lay a dying. And then the word came to Jairus and no use troubling the master, your daughter's dead. When Jesus got back to the house, he said, Why all this mourning and carrying on? She's not dead, she's only asleep. And the Bible said they all started to laugh and he put them all out. Except for James, John, Peter, Jairus, and the wife. Where was the baby? The Bible doesn't tell us, but I'm asking you mamas. Where's the baby? In her arms. She's not walked outside. So when Jesus walked in, he saw this woman holding that dead child. He said, oh, you can stay. You believe, don't you? And there are mamas today that their daughters are gone. Their sons are gone. Gone. And they're sitting there looking at the Lord. I still believe you're in my house, Jesus. My baby's in my heart and you're in my house. You do what you need to do. Show them what God does. And God brought her back to life. And he can bring your children back to life if you only believe. And finally, to the one who'd lost it all, he gave her a new day. Little did she know that the little girl Ruth who'd followed her in back to Bethlehem 
would be gleaning in the field of a man named Boaz one day, owning the field the next day, bringing children into the world that cared as much for uh, Naomi as they did for Ruth. And the Bible even said that she nursed them. Now that means one of two things, that she just took care of them or that she began to lactate for those babies. Isn't it something when the woman who's lost it all, God gives it all back to them? It wasn't the same thing, but the joy that comes, the restoration that comes, the fullness that comes. I guess what I wanted to share with you this morning is wherever you find yourself, even if it's not limited to what I talked about in this story, if you will receive sufficient grace, present grace, private grace, public grace, grace at the, at the, the most decaying places, grace at the most painful places, if you will invite the Lord, He has designed you to receive and He has the power to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think, which means if you've thought about how good it could be, that ain't it. He can do more than that. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I invite you, all of us, but especially our moms and daughters today, to just talk to the Lord where you sit. Those with missing pieces. Those with regrets. Those with the barren womb. Those who are suffering. Those with children in the balance. Oh, God ain't forgot your babies, mama. God's not forgot your babies. One word from heaven. One word from heaven will change your perspective. With no one looking around, I speak this over you today. As Jesus spoke to Mary and Martha about their dead brother Lazarus, he said, did I not tell you that if you believe you'd see the glory of God? But Lord, by now, he stinks. Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? And he called their brother out of the tomb right in front of their eyes and said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. I won't ask you to come this morning, but if you're in this place and you're receiving fully, holy, I just want you to slip your hands up and tell the Lord, I receive today your word from my life. Like Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. And with that one statement, a virgin conceived, be it unto me, Lord, according to your word and plan. Be it unto me, Lord, in Jesus' name.
I need us to shift gears for just a moment. First of all, Mama, go home and go home and pray over that word you got. Go home and sing over it and see what God's going to do. If you have a mom or a mother figure uh, here and you're not happen to be sitting with them, would you make your way to them? Or if someone you know is a mama and doesn't have somebody and you want to go be with them, would you just go find your way to your mama? Everybody's already sitting. Oh, we're already reached over sitting with our moms. Uh, Josh, can you kill all these lights up here? In just a moment, moms, we're going to pray for you. But I got a little video I think you'll enjoy. And I, I was thinking about y'all today. Okay, y'all look this way. I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. I was thinking about all of you today that have the grown children. I get to watch every day my mother-in-law interact with Kelly at the farm. And Kelly's not in her 30s. Kelly's 11. You do know that. Because you'll always be my baby. So when you see this little video, uh, can y'all get these lights, the main ones, off too? I just want you to put an arm over and let them know that I haven't forgot about all you did and what you did. And, and then we're going to pray for our moms today.
Didn't that just make you want to cry all over the place? I cried in my office. Okay, before we leave, this is what I'd like you to do. If you don't mind, and some aren't here with their moms, just I want you just to sit and pray. And I don't, like, I don't think it has to be loud, but let them hear you. See, we grew up on their prayers, and now we pray for them. And you bless them. I want, you, I want them to hear you say, Mama, I bless you, and I, I pray over you, and I just ask God's goodness, and I thank the Lord for you. Would you do that right now in the hearing of your mom? Would you pray? And if your wife is a mother, you pray for her too as well today. Church family, would you stand with us this morning? May the Lord bless and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May you be filled with the wisdom and the knowledge of God's love for you. Be filled with the Spirit. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. The righteous cry and the Lord hears them and delivers them out of all their troubles. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of them all. And it's God's desire and design for you to be complete in him. Blessed with all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. And Lord, we give you praise and honor and glory for being our Lord. And all of God's people said, amen. Have a wonderful Mother's Day. God bless you today.